It's not about our goodness. It's not about our greatness. It's not about anything about us. It's all about Him. What He did for us. And, uh, we should uh, appreciate that and we should um, give Him that praise and honor and glory uh, for, for what He's done for us. I love that song. Thank you for that, uh, that video as well. Uh, it gives us a real uh, indication, a real picture, a real perspective of what Jesus went through on the cross for us. We are in the middle of a series entitled Church Blueprints. We are trying to figure out what it is that God wants us to be as a congregation. The Lord said he would return for his bride, the church. We are looking into God's word, the Bible, um, for those blueprints. We want to build the church that is pleasing and acceptable to him. Even though as individuals we know that we'll never be able to measure up, As a church, I believe we can. We can be that bride of Christ that he wants us to be. I want you to pay close attention to the fact that we aren't here to condemn or bash other congregations. We are here to strive to be the church that God wants us to be. Aim for that bullseye. The book that we're working from is entitled 1 Timothy. Timothy was, for this book, this epistle, this letter was written to a young man named Timothy. Paul wrote this book. Timothy was taking care of a church in Ephesus, was the name of the town. And um, there was a church there, and Timothy was uh, was put in charge of, of taking care of this congregation. By nature, when a person thinks they have something figured out, they have a tendency to look down on those whom don't or don't perceive those who don't fully understand it. They look down on them and for not having it figured out, right? That brand new parent that you see holding their child in a way that is just really strange. Caitlin does hasn't. I haven't noticed Caitlin or Kate doing this, but there's there's those parents that you you see like you know if you just do it this way, it'd be so much easier. I'm sure in your profession there are people who come in and they begin doing something and it's just, uh, if you just do it just a little bit differently, it would be so much better and so much easier. I think as Christians we do the same thing. We get to the point in our Christian lives and uh, we, we get to the point in our relationship with God that we've, we think we've got it figured out. We think we've got... Uh, this relationship with God figured out and we're here to to help and guide and lead everyone else, right? We get that mindset. The problem that we're discussing today, uh, and I'm going to label it as, as legalism. Most everybody is tempted to some degree, but normally we think of, we think of others as being legalistic, Right? Well, I would never be legalistic. That's just not, that's just not me. I, but I know a lot of people that are. I know a lot of people that are legalistic. This morning, I want you to focus your attention on your tendencies to be legalistic. Each and every one of us has a tendency to be a little bit legalistic. And I want us to focus on our tendency to be that way, not everyone else's. By definition, legalism is any attempt to help God out with extra rules and regulations. 
Okay? Uh, any attempt to help God out with extra rules and regulations. Now, let me, let me demonstrate. <clears throat> I apologize. I'm going to steal some of your chairs. We are going to build ourselves a corral. We're going to build ourselves a little fence here. We want it to look just right. Does that look like a fence or a corral to you? It's not going to keep very many people in, but it's really kind of a boundary, okay? And I'm going to live inside of this fence, and, and I'm going to make sure that that I stay within these boundaries. And let me let me get something that will help us visualize. I strategically placed a very bright pink Mustang. I couldn't leave it out because it would wander off. Corbin and Henry would take this pink Mustang and I would never see it again. I believe that it is, it is an imperative that every person in the world should own a pink Barbie Mustang. <laughs> and I think this is the most, one of the most important things in life. And if, if you don't agree, then, then you're outside of this fence. And there's a couple people that would agree with me. Let me see if they're here today. I don't see them. Zach and, and, and Matt would agree with me that Mustangs are a great thing. Anybody else a Mustang fan? Kate's kind of a Mustang fan. Mustang fans, Kate? So you guys can join me in this fence, right? It would be a, it'd be a place. JR would join me in this. You have a, you have a Mustang, JR. JR, come here. Don't you still have that white Mustang in your driveway or in your it's yard? In the, it's still in the family. Okay, well, it's in the family. Come here. You're in my family now. I was really hoping Matt and Zach would be here because they're big guys. They can, they can fill up this... this um, this fence. So now JR and I are, are fully together on this fact that it's it, if you're going to do anything right in your life, you're going to own a pink musk. Do you want to hold it? See how great it feels? This feels really great, right? And be, is there anybody that doesn't think it's right to own a, a pink Mustang? See, Janet is she does not think it's okay. So, JR, when, when Janet comes by, when she walks by, we're going to make sure that she is very well aware of the fact that, that she's not in our, our, our circle. We've built a fence around our conviction. We've built a fence around what we think is right. And anyone outside that fence, all of you, because none of the rest of you joined our pink Mustang, what should we call game? Crew. Our crew. Our pink Mustang crew. You're not, you're not in our pink, pink Mustang crew. Therefore, you're outside of that fence. We have built a fence around our conviction. Right? Thank you, JR. Okay, you can play with it for a little while. There's even plenty of room in that Mustang for a barbecue. But we didn't bring any Barbies. I should probably leave my fence here. We'll just imagine that it's still these people in the front row or second row sat on the second row so that they didn't have to sit on the first row. And when I take the first row away, they feel like they're sitting on the first row. 
it's very um, distracting to them, so I'll have to make sure we replace it. So anyway, you get the point. If, if you've got a conviction, if you have something that you feel very strongly about, you're going to build a fence around your conviction. And anyone within that fence, JR and I are buddies now because we're okay with, well, actually, it's, not, it's more than just okay. We believe it's your only right if you own a pink Mustang. I have two of them, by the way, so I am extremely right. We build a fence, and when we assume that everyone else doesn't belong inside of our fence, or when we see that everyone else doesn't agree with us, we begin to look down on them. That's legalism. And you can apply it to just about every aspect of anyone's life. Because you don't discipline your children right, because you don't do this right, because you don't dress right, because you don't do your hair right, because you don't, you don't work right, because you don't... I mean, there are so many things that... I mean, it, it's everywhere around us. And it's definitely a problem within religious circles. It's not a new problem. It happened way back in the Old Testament. It happened in the New Testament. Many, many places in the New Testament we hear about it. In fact, Jesus was really hard on some guys. Look at this one with me. Did you guys bring your Bibles today? I want you to look at this one with me. Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 7. Matthew chapter 15. It's probably not going to be on the screen. In fact, it'll probably say look it up. Matthew chapter 15. Look at verse 7 with me. It says... You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, and we can go back into Isaiah and find this verse as well. But he said, Jesus told them, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands of God. Thou shalt own a pink Mustang. Then Jesus called the crowd to come and hear. He said, Listen. And try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? (gasps) Can't believe Jesus offended someone. He must not have been very politically correct. Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be uprooted. So ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. I'm fully aware of the fact that if you don't own a pink Mustang, that you're probably going to make it in life. But if I continued to preach that and teach that and guide that way, JR and I would lead lots of you right into a ditch because we would be blind as well. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, it says, So do not let anyone make rules for you about eating or drinking or about what religious feast or a new moon festival or Sabbath day. These things were like a shadow of what was to come, but what is true and real has come and is found in Christ. A couple verses down in, in chapter 2 and verse 20 of Colossians says, Since you died with Christ and were made free from the ruling spirits of the world, why do you act as if you still belong to this world? By following rules like these, don't handle this, don't taste that, don't even touch that thing. Only own a pink Mustang. 
The rules refer to earthly things that are gone as soon as they are used. They are only human commands and teachings. They seem to be wise, but they are only part of human religion. They make people pretend not to be proud and make them punish their bodies, but they do not really control the evil desires of the sinful self. Legalism is not a new problem. It's been around for thousands of years. Now, the passage of scripture that, that we want to talk about today is found in 1 Timothy. So I want you to turn there with me. I want you to hold that spot in your Bible because we're going to refer to it several times the rest of the message. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Spiritual authority is not found in a teacher, in a preacher, in a minister, in any religious any religious aspect of a person is a spiritual authority is not found there. Spiritual authority is found in God's word itself. It's found in the Bible. I want you to bring your Bible every week. I want you to have it with you. I don't want you to take notes on what I say. Uh, so I want you to take notes so that so that when you get home, you can compare it to what the Bible says. Okay? That's the reason you're here. That's the reason you're taking notes. If I ever ask you to do something you don't, and, and don't back it up with Scripture, and I don't back it up with Scripture, I want you to call me out on it. If I ever ask you to stop doing something without showing you God's Word on the matter, I want you to ignore it. Because spiritual authority is not found in the teacher, in the preacher. It's found in God's Word. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 6. Look at it with me. It says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. They, they will say it is wrong to be married and wrong to eat certain foods. But God created these foods to be eaten with thanks by faithful people who know the truth. Since everything God created is good, we should not reject any of it, but receive it with thanks. For we know it is made acceptable by the word of God in prayer. If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus. One who is nourished by the, the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. You see, if we become, if we become in any way legalistic... We have turned away from the true faith. We are no longer a bride of Christ when we become legalistic. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 adds, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. Legalism stinks. Legalism stinks. What is that smell, you ask? Well, it's legalism. It's an elitist attitude, and Paul is warning Timothy that it cannot be allowed to exist within the Lord's church. As we build the church, as we erect 2x4 after 2x4, 2x6 after 2x6 of people coming together to be the Lord's church, we want to make sure that legalism is not a part of our congregation. 
Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and 6 is a warning. It's right smack in the middle of the Bible. There's one in Deuteronomy and there's one in Revelation, but this one's right smack in the middle. It says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to all who come to him for protection. Do not add to his words. Or he may rebuke you and expose you as a liar. You see what we're saying here? If we add to God's plan, if we add to God's rules, if we add to God's regulations on others, he's going to prove us to be a liar. He's going to expose us to be a liar. God doesn't want us to add to his words. Luke chapter 18, Jesus, once again, he's, he's, he has told a parable to some people who trusted in themselves and that they were religious. He viewed others with contempt. Look at chapter 18, verse 9. I don't know, did I put this one up there? Nope. <laughs> Look it up. Luke chapter 18. This is a great parable. This is unbelievable. Uh, we're going to look at verse, uh, start in verse 10 of, of Luke chapter 18. He says, Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Notice verse 11. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to who? To himself. The Pharisee stood and was praying to himself. What good is that going to do? None whatsoever. It's not going to do any good because he's praying to himself. He says, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I, pray, I pay my tithes and of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing some distance away, was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, please be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went home justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's not a new problem. It's been around for a long time, and it stinks. Legalism stinks. It smells bad. Anytime we set ourselves up on a, on a, I should have built it around the stage. Anytime we set ourselves up on a platform and, and build ourselves a fence around our convictions and we, we claim to be something that we're not, causes problems. It's not a good thing. There are some places of extreme smell. And I'm not saying that God's word smells. I'm saying that some of these verses are used by legalistic people. I want you to look at just a few of them. Is my battery about to go? I heard some popping. Electricity. So here's, a, here's just a sampling. I've just thrown out a few verses that I have found used as, as legalistic, uh, what would you call it? Uh, almost bait. Right? We use these verses. Uh, oftentimes people use these verses to cause trouble legalistically. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. I didn't write these out or I didn't put these on the screen. I'm just going to, you, know, you can look these up later. Basically this verse says your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Right? So many times this verse is taken out of context and used to build a fence. They build a fence around this verse and they, and they use it to condemn others. And when any time you build yourself a fence and you begin condemning others because they're not inside your fence, it has become legalistic and it's starting to smell. 
can't damage your body. Well, those tattoos and those piercings, that's just damaging your body. And you can't drink alcohol and you can't smoke any cigarettes because that damages the body. You can't eat, eat certain things because that's, that's, it's just not good for you. Do you see where that can go? All of those things are, are, are right and true. And, but does any, did Jesus, any, any place in, in the Bible tell us not to, not to have a tattoo? I can't find it. I don't recommend it. I don't think it's a great idea. And as from, from a religious aspect and from a godly perspective, I, I, don't, I wouldn't condone it. I wouldn't ask my kids to go get them, and I don't have them. But that's not what we're here for. That's not, what happens is we start building ourselves a fence around this thought and idea, and we condemn everyone outside that. That's the problem. When we begin condemning someone because of the choices they have made. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. Never do anything that might cause the weak to stumble. You can't go to a movie because someone might think you were there watching an R-rated movie and, and they might think it's okay for them. Well, you can't play billiards. You can't own a pool table because they have, those are found in taverns and bars. And, you know, that's just, you wouldn't want to be anywhere close to that. And, and you can't play with the playing cards because, because those are used for, for gambling. You can't drink anything out of a bottle because beer comes in a bottle. Once again, they use this verse to build themselves a fence, and anything outside that fence is condemned. And if you agree with them, and, and you're fully wholeheartedly with them on the, the whole pink Mustang thing, then, then you're okay. But anything outside that is condemnation. They use that verse to be legalistic. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 22 very true verse but once again it's used legalistically avoid every appearance of evil can't own a television because there's evil on it you can't subscribe to a newspaper because there's secular writings inside that newspaper you can't walk down the media aisle of the grocery store because there's bad magazines down there once again you're building yourself a fence around your convictions and anytime anyone doesn't agree then they're condemned 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 17, it says, Come out from them and be ye separate. You've got to throw in a little uh, King James in there once in a while. Be ye separate. If someone doesn't agree with you about your convictions, then you can treat them like they are dirt. You can't hang out with anyone that might taint the looks of your holy life. Can't let my kids go to public schools because they, they have to be separate. Now, let's, let, me, let me, and all, once again, all, a lot of these things that I'm mentioning are right in themselves at times. And, but let me, especially this last one, kids go to public school or private school or, 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 or stay at home, uh, you know, get homeschooled. Is that anywhere in the scripture? I don't find it. I don't find it there. But if I set myself up in this, in this fence... And condemn anyone outside of it. That's a problem. That's becoming legalistic. All of these verses. And many, many, many more. Are used. In legalism. And it stinks. So I've got eight, eight spots for you. And you're going to have to do some writing. Because you've got a bulletin, right? Has everybody got a bulletin? And there's some slots. There's some open spaces in your bulletin. At the end of your bulletin. There's eight open spaces. I want you to fill in the positive side 
of this smelly legalistic comment or statement. Yeah, you ever heard Jeff Foxworthy? You might be a redneck if. This is the, the Lloyd's edition. <laughs> you might be legalistic if. All right? You might be legalistic if, number one, you lack true joy. There's a chance that your lack of true joy is because you have a legalistic mindset. Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross for our sins so that we could sit around sour-faced and sad. I have to admit, I know a few Christians who look like they're going to a funeral service every time they attend church service. When someone has an encounter with God's mercy, their hearts always overflow with praise and gratitude. There's no such thing as a crabby Christian. Legalism kills joy. Write this down. Realize a rich and satisfying life full of joy, praise, and thanksgiving. Realize a rich and satisfying life full of joy, praise, and thanksgiving. John chapter 10 and verse 10. Write that verse down too. John chapter 10 and verse 10. Look that up when you get home. God wants you to have an abundant life. He wants you to enjoy life. Have, have an abundant life. And if you're building yourself a fence and you're condemning everyone that's not in your club or not in your crew, it's not a fun life. You're lacking joy. You're lacking gratitude. You're lacking praise of God. Number two, I know this isn't a word. Victorious, victoryless, victorial. Oh, I can't even say it. Victorylessness. How's that? Victorylessness. It's not a word, but it is now. We become very victorylessness. All Christians struggle with temptation, but a person with a legalistic mindset finds it difficult to almost impossible to receive the grace and power of God to overcome sinful habits. Are you striving to break free from a particular sin in your own strength? You can't do it yourself. You must admit. We must admit our weakness and allow the Holy Spirit to give us that supernatural power to overcome, to live a holy life. It's the indwelling of the Spirit of Christ that comes within when we're lowered in that watery grave of baptism. Our sins are washed away and we come out a new person. We're given the gift of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3 and verse 16 says, it gives us power to overcome sin. We want to be victorious, not victoryless. If you're straining and sweating to overcome sin, relax and let him live his life in you. Write this down. Through him, we are more than conquerors. Through him, we are more than conquerors. Romans chapter 8 and verse 37. Did I put that up there? Yeah, I did. Good. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. Number three, you might be legalistic if you have a performance-based vertical. Let me explain. God's a loving father, and he wants us to love on, he wants to love on us. His, his affirmation and encouragement is vitally essential to our Christian lives, and he wants to pour that into us. Yet many Christians don't understand God's unconditional love. They feel they must earn his love by reading the Bible, praying, performing other religious tasks. 
Do you ever feel like God is mad at you because you overslept and missed the morning devotions? He wants you to spend time with him, but not to fulfill a duty. He just wants to hang out with you. Chill out. Enjoy his love. Performance-based vertical is not going to work. That's a legalistic mindset. Write this down. Your vertical exists because he bent down. Right? He bent down. He came down here to meet our need while we were still sinners. Right? In the midst of our sin, we didn't even, he didn't even know how much garbage we were going to get ourselves into. But because he loved us, he came all the way. He bent down so that we could have a vertical. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 and verse 8. Number 4. You might be legalistic if you have a critical attitude in horizontal relationships. If you're legalistic, you have a tendency to be very critical of those around you. If you've built yourself this fence, and you can definitely see that those people out there don't own a pink Mustang. You are very critical of them. And not only do they not own a pink one, they don't own a green one or an orange one or a red one either. They're just way out there. We become very critical. People who don't understand God's grace cannot extend grace to anyone else. This is why some Christians are bitter and hateful toward unbelievers. When you understand how much mercy God has extended to forgive you, it's easy to show that mercy to other people who don't deserve it. When you hear Christians using harsh language to condemn the the new president, or Muslims, or atheists, or liberals, or gay people, you have just identified a legalistic spirit. Don't have a critical attitude in horizontal relationships. Write this down. Make allowance and be lenient. Show God's grace in your interactions with unbelievers. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13. Make allowance and be lenient. Show God's grace in your interactions with unbelievers. You might be legalistic, number five. If you're obsessive, if you have an obsessive focus on outward standards of dress and adornment. Some churches have strictly taught that God demands conformity to dress codes. Some churches condemn makeup, jewelry, pants, even short hair on women. Others teach it's wrong for Christians to play sports, play cards, dance, wear wedding rings, go to movies, wear jeans in church, or even own a television. God cares more about inner holiness than outward conformity. When you walk in grace, the Spirit will lead you to dress correctly, will lead you to act in a way that honors Him, but this will not always conform to a man-made religious code. Obsessive focus on outward standards of dress and adornment. You might be legalistic. Write this down. Clean the inside of the cup. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 26. Jesus goes off on these Pharisees. These religious people that thought they had it all together. Many times he calls them whitewashed tombs. Inside there's, they're filled with dead man's bones. This particular verse says clean the inside of the cup. So that the outside can also appear clean. Number six, you might be legalistic if you have bondage to religious tradition. The Pharisees rejected Jesus because they couldn't leave, they couldn't leave old covenant religion behind. A legalistic spirit says, this is the way we've always done it. 
Some people rejected a new move of the Holy Spirit because they didn't like the new style of music. Some churches today are in danger of missing God because they want to live like it's still 1973. Uh, Just pick that number out at random, I don't know. Legalistic people tend to fight any new move of God. Remember, God is unchangeable in his nature, but he does new things. We must stay in step with him. Write this down. Give the Holy Spirit room in your walk to guide each step. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25 tells us to keep in step with the Spirit. I think we're so busy walking and just putting one foot in front of the other that we forget to allow the Spirit to guide each and every one of our steps. Allow Him to guide. Don't be, don't be so stuck in this mode. Be able to see where God is leading and take a different step if that's where God wants you to step. As a church, we want to do the same. If God's leading us in a different direction, if God wants us to do something a little bit differently, we're going to do it. Because the Spirit's guiding each and every step. Number seven, we have an elitist view. You might be legalistic if you have an elitist view. Did I spell it right? Yep, I did up there. It's not spelled right on here. People who don't understand God's grace believe they have a corner on the truth. So, so they can, cannot accept the fact that the Holy Spirit might be moving in other congregations. Some churches even t- teach that they are the only people going to heaven. If your church believes that they're the only true Christians, you need to exit quickly. Legalism is toxic. Find a church that embraces the whole body of Christ. Please don't think that, that, I'm, that I'm taking uh, an every road leads to God approach. I'm not. I don't believe that. When we build the church based on scriptural blueprints, I believe the church can be what God wants it to be. There are many churches and religious organizations out there that don't follow the Bible as their guidebook. They focus on man-made religion. I could not join a church that avoided scripture as the blueprints for the church. I couldn't do it. I couldn't follow a church like that. And, but I'm not telling you that there are no other church out there that could have Christians in heaven with us. We may not all make it to heaven. This whole congregation, we may not all make it. And there may be other churches out there that, that, that their whole congregation may not make it. But there's going to be some. And if we take an elitist view like we are the only ones, that's a problem. Write this down. Realize that we are a part of the bride of Christ, not the only. John 17, verse 24. Realize we're a part of the bride of Christ, not the only. You ever heard that joke, St. Peter walking down the hallway in heaven and he's showing people around, he's showing us around. And he, he comes to, the, he comes to this, this room and there the... They're the people that only sing hymns. That's, the, that's their room. That's the one they, they only sing hymns. So we come to the next one, and this is the group that, that, that only does, let's see, what else is there? There's all sorts of things. They have one cup, right? Instead of, see all those little cups we have in those trays? 
they have one cup because when more than likely when Jesus passed it around the Lord's Supper, he only had one cup. And so in order to do it right, you've got to have that one cup. So those are the people. And then you come to the, this congregation that, that thinks they're the only ones. And what does he do? Shh, shh, be quiet. Can't be loud right here because these people think they're the only ones in heaven. Right? It's not going to be that way. There's going to be a lot of different people up there and maybe even people that you disagree with. Realize that we're a part of the bride of Christ, not the only. Number eight, you might be legalistic. If you doubt your salvation. People with a legalistic mindset often have little assurance in their salvation because they trust their own obedience instead of Christ. When you become a Christian and your sins are washed away in the blood of the Lamb and you you have this true encounter with Jesus, it will cause you to know that God has adopted you. That you are his. That he will always love you. Not to say that you can't deny his forgiveness and fall from grace. But, but like we mentioned last week, it's not about perfection. It's about progress. Are you moving in that direction? Don't doubt your salvation. But those who are legalistic often do. Write this down. Trust in God's saving grace. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. Trust in God's saving grace. How are you feeling? Are you, are you getting me? Are you following me through this? I feel like there's, there's some... Hmm, that's weird. I never thought of it that way before. Let me do just a little bit of confute. Maybe I'll make it worse, probably. Let me do just a little bit of clarifying to end this morning. We often confuse legalism with just playing conservative. There's a difference between morally conservative individual and a legalist. Many times we think of them as one and the same. The difference is not in their actions, but how they think about their actions. The legalist thinks he's right behavior grants him favor with God. The legalist thinks his, his righteous behavior earns him salvation. The morally conservative individual understands that no amount of good works can earn even one favor with God, let alone his or her salvation. The morally conservative understands we are to do good works because we have been saved. Our good works should be acts of love toward a gracious God because we have been saved by him. It goes without saying, but, but just be sure, holiness should be a priority in our lives. We often let the world inform us of what holiness looks like. We get caught up in the world's way of thinking when it comes to where we go, when it comes to what we say, when it comes to what we watch. We let the world dictate what we listen to and what we do and how we look. When we encounter a Christian who is concerned about their own holiness that comes from only from God, we often label them as legalists or maybe just morally conservative. We sort of don't want to be around them because they're just too radical. I personally don't think that, that these that are, these are concerned are, are too conservative or too radical. I think the rest of us, the majority of us, are simply too lax. When it comes to pursuing holiness. 
We can't be too conservative when it comes to biblical morality and applying biblical principles to every part of our lives. I appreciate and even enjoy those who are ultra-conservative. What I'm opposed to are the conservatives turning legalistic, condemning anyone outside of their fence, anyone who doesn't do as they do and act as they act. That's when it turns ugly and when the title legalist is justified. What we do and don't do is fine as long as it's for God. Even if something is not technically a sin in God's eyes, what matters is that a person is doing it or not doing it for God's sake. They're doing it or doing it or not doing it for for his sake. Trying to please God is an attitude that's pleasing to him. Imagine that. If we're if we exist to please God, that is going to make him happy. Even if it's conservative or ultra conservative. It only turns bad when we think of our works. The things that we've gotten accomplished, the things that we do can bring us salvation. And when we oppose our extra biblical persuasions on others. When we begin to judge those and condemn them for not being inside of our fence, that's when it becomes a problem. Paul was warning Timothy about the smell of legalism. God's message, your move. What are you going to do about it? What aspects of your life have become legalistic? What aspects of your life have become so lax that doesn't make any difference at this point. You just accept everybody and everything. Well, that's not necessarily true either and right either. We've got to be careful. There was a problem in the church in Ephesus with legalism, and I think it's a problem today. We can't go around the room and, and assess everyone's uh, legalism scale on a scale of 1 to 10. How legalistic are you? We're not going to do that. But you know what? If you think about it, if you think about how you operate and how you do things and how you think about others, we need to be careful about legalism because God says it stinks. He hates it.